The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Let, let's turn Bilbo into a, a horrible person. So, yeah. You know, I, I feel like I'm usually the bloodthirsty one on the podcast, <laughs> but Ryan's over here saying, no, slit his friggin' throat. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. My name is Craig Hanks, and I'm your host. And over there, I don't like him, it's Ryan. Wow, you you were busy doing <laughs> something else today, weren't you? And I don't like her. It's Stephanie. Good. No, that's a lie. I like both of you. It's a lie. I just yeah, you're right. I've I've been busy setting up a live stream for today. I did not do any insults. Um, you know, I I, I could have done I could have gone a golem direction and like something <laughs> about if someone liked it, then you put a ring on it. Uh, but that's okay. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll let it slide. We'll, we'll let it, we'll we let know it. how difficult it can be to come up with ways of insulting us. So, <laughs> I'm sure. So today we are talking The Hobbit. This is chapters, I'm hoping, four yeah. through seven. <laughs> we, have, we do have another little voice in the studio that may pop in from time to time. Um, I'm hoping chapters four through seven. Last time we tried to do one through seven. That didn't go so well. Yeah. Uh, we had quite a bit to say it turns out and so today maybe we'll get through the rest of that what we're doing is uh, is the hobbit the episodes where they're going through the mountain pass they get captured by go goblins uh bilbo falls into Gollum's cave and uh, escapes and the dwarves and gandalf and bilbo uh, go via eagle to baron's <laughs> house and that's about where we're at they leave Baron's house and they're heading into Mirkwood at the end of chapter seven. My am, am I about right here? It sounds about right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I we do have a live YouTube audience here, and so I may take a break every now and then just to address your questions and whatnot. I am sorry if uh, we don't if we don't get to all of them, I'm going to be trying to pay attention to both my notes and the YouTube stream. And this is just, you're going to watch Craig fall apart here. <laughs> I'm going to lose my something, something that's not appropriate for the in-room audience mm -hmm. that we currently have. I know Ryan's kind of special that way. He's, uh, I need to learn new very, swear words. Very sensitive. Um, anyway, so let's get started with uh, where we're at. We've left Elrond's house. We're just going to dive right in. We left, left Elrond's house, and we're now venturing into the wilds. Okay, so we're on our adventure. We've read the map. We know what we need to do, and we know where we need to go to do it. Uh, and so, uh, so we start off on the quest into the mountain pass. Do you guys care at all about chapter four? this journey through the mountain pass, does this leave any impact on you? We'll get to, you know, maybe fun facts and all that <laughs> stuff later, but this is one of those chapters. The reason I ask this question is because for me, it's one of those chapters that kind of gets lost a little bit because mm -hmm. I love, I love uh, Elrond's house and I love the Gollum stuff. And chapter four is great, but because it's kind of sandwiched between the two things that I really want to read, I forget, mm -hmm. right? 
Okay. But what do you guys think well, of it? Well, not every chapter in a book has to be, you know, meaty, heavy, you know, discussion-worthy material. This is right. them getting from point A to point B. Like, and yes, some things happen. We are dealing with, <laughs> you know, I think this is one of those instances of like uh, where I actually appreciated the fact that uh, we got to see maybe another concept um, in the later tellings of this with the rock giants. Mm -hmm. Like that would be really cool to be to be a part of. But you know, as a whole, I'm okay with it just being, hey, we're going through a mountain pass and we're getting into where the go the goblins are. Right. What do you think, Stephanie? So I'm sitting here thinking, I listened to this today, this morning, while I was working at home. And honestly, I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember what the chapter was even about, but <laughs> I wasn't positive that was the chapter we were talking about. So obviously it left a huge impact on me because I listened to it today and I couldn't even tell you what was going on in there. <laughs> well, it's like I said, I do tend to, it gets lost in the shuffle for me as well. But every time I read it, I love it. I love chapter four. So Where does chapter four end? And chapter four ends with Bilbo crashing down. He So, so uh, everything that happens with the goblins is all in, is, uh, in, chapter, in chapter four. four. Okay. Yeah, it's called, just... it's called Over Hill and Under Hill. Yes, okay. Uh, so they're going over the mountains. They, there's a big thunderstorm. They hide away in a cave. And then the goblins yes. open up the cave and take them the prisoner. Yeah. So and now they're Under Hill. Yes, and kind of kidnap them through right. their crack in the wall. I got to be honest, guys, last episode, like in the Reddit comments and stuff, people seemed to like the Professor Craig thing. Mm -hmm. So I actually sorry. really liked the Professor Craig thing. Oh, you did. So having read the books, I was like, OK, like I really have not a whole <laughs> lot to say about this book, but learning about it is really interesting. So I enjoyed last episode just sitting here. So I'm hoping the listeners just enjoyed listening to so it. So Stephanie and Craig's burner accounts on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's uh, thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. Um, no, no, it's it's fascinating information. It's it's like the special features on a DVD. Only you get it in the normal content. <laughs> there you go. So in this episode we have uh, obviously Bilbo our point of view character getting taken prisoner it, it is interesting he gets uh, he gets some XP from uh, just by waking up and detecting what's going on in time to warn Gandalf <laughs> uh, so Bilbo levels up a little bit uh, but despite that he is still out of his depth right and so we we have all of these uh, goblins now and Bilbo is shall we say, ill-equipped to deal with the goblins, right? <laughs> uh, and that's fine because the goblins are set up as... it's. I think it's really interesting right after the troll episode, the goblins now are set up as uh, kind of the anti-dwarves. Mm -hmm. Which, if you have followed along with our other Tolkien episodes and you've read a little bit of the Silmarillion, you know that that goblins and orcs which are that's the same thing they're interchangeable goblins are orcs i was are gonna ask that because it's it does not seem that they are the same right 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 uh yeah and we'll, we'll get to maybe why that could be but um in this case they're set up as the anti-dwarves it's talked about how they've tunneled under the mountains and they're second to none when it comes to mining and and that sort of thing uh, or i should say second to none except the dwarves right the dwarves mm -hmm. are the masters and the goblins are um, are a close second when it comes to this sort of craft. 
Um, and so Bilbo now he's had three chapters already where he's been dealing with dwarves primarily and is very out of place. These are dwarves from the wilderness <laughs> and they're, they're adventurous and boisterous and they're ready to go to war. And Bilbo misses his afternoon tea and his bed many, many times mm-hmm. throughout the book, right? <laughs> uh, and so he's out of his depth. But now, now he's really, really out of his depth because he has the anti-dwarves uh, that he doesn't know how to deal with. But the, the dwarves are, well, they'd be screwed if it weren't for Gandalf, but they at least know what they're up against, right? Yeah. Yeah. So You'd expect there to be a little bit of a fight at least. Well, yeah. And, uh, and there is, when Gandalf shows up, he slashes the great goblin i don't does he chop his head off or just slice his neck one of the two and then they all take off running um and bilbo is being carried on keely's oh it's bomber no no it's it's one of it's one of the b names Balin. that narrows it down somebody somebody tell me on youtube who it is that's carrying bilbo because i can because they give him crap about it out in the spider as well he's always having to be carried by <laughs> it's by the same person though that dro- yeah maybe that's who it is i don't know it's uh it's either feely keely biffer buffer bumper <laughs> dory nori ori oin and gloin it's One a b name yeah, yeah i know it's a b name so um <laughs> so now they're getting carried or, or he's getting bounced around and carried around and then the goblins sneak up behind the dwarves and jump them and they uh crack his dwarven carrier (laughs) over the head and he falls down and he falls into Gollum's cave. So that's where we're at with this. But before we leave the goblins behind, okay, so they're the anti-dwarves, which is important in part because when we have chapter one and all the dwarves arrive, uh, the dwarves are very pushy but polite. Right, they're all, they're coming in, oh, we're expected and so we're going to come right into your house and invade your house. Uh, But they are... They speak politely, right? Mm-hmm. At your you, service. Yeah, exactly. At your service, etc. Did you notice that the goblins speak much more politely than the trolls? Politely? Even, <laughs> you know, so I politely is well. Okay, he does talk about how they, you know, they they talk about horrible things, chop, chopping them up into bits and all that stuff. But when I say politely, I mean gentlemanly. Uh, and so you have sentences sentences like from the great goblin, who are these miserable persons? Like that's a that is a that is a well formed, educated sentence. Yeah, right. You don't expect that to come out of a blithering imbecile of a creature. Right. And so it's kind of this juxtaposition between the dwarves and the goblins. Or sorry, the it's sorry, the goblins and the trolls. And the trolls we talked last time about how they're uh <laughs> they're Cockney by way of Iceland, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yes. Um, and now we have the goblins who are uh, rather well spoken. You know, I don't. I don't. Know. At least their royalty is. I mean, well, they're... we don't get a ton of dialogue from the other ones, but <laughs> at least their leadership is of an intellectual nature. At least, right. So anyway, it's uh, it's interesting to hear them talk and to hear the juxtaposition. Is this something you guys noticed at all, or does it just kind of wash over you if you're not paying attention? I didn't notice. I think that's actually something, and I will attribute this to being heavily in the use of audiobooks. That's kind of dependent on the narrator mm-hmm. uh, because you can easily uh, hide that fact or bring that fact out based on the performance. And I don't think it was done in such a way that it really made it a standout piece. 
it's not something that I think that he would have noticed and said, oh, yeah, I need to make sure these characters sound more gentlemanly in their, their presentation. Right. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't attribute anything that Tolkien does in his writing to accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, <laughs> but with something like this, like he, he knew exactly what he was doing when he made the trolls, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dirty cockneys, right? I believe that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so we have uh, we have the trolls who are obviously monsters. The goblins are the dwarves' opposites, which is interesting because later in the Lord of the Rings, um, there's going to be some talk of how the trolls are kind of the opposites of the Ents, mm-hmm. and they they're the enemy's mockery of the Ents. Uh, but in this book, at least, yeah, we don't we don't have time for that <laughs> sort of mythology. And I think uh, the in a very modern sense, because of a lot of video games and things like that, we tend to pair up groupings that are similar in size and combat value, I guess, for lack of a term. Like, you would put an ant against a troll for an equal battle. You wouldn't put a troll like and a goblin on the same part. But that's because of the kind of the gamification of our mentality nowadays and that sort of thing versus it being more of a civilization or a, a cultural piece in the dark side of the of this world. Stephanie, any thoughts as we are moving beyond the, the goblins? If I have any, I will definitely speak up, but... but <laughs> well, I want to make sure I we was, don't leave you in the dust. I was really struggling trying to figure out what in the world do I say about this book. It's fine. So, it's fine. Um, Because we're going to move on to Gollum here in just a moment, and this is probably going to take up the bulk of uh, the episode, I would imagine. Uh, but Go- Gollum is the most interesting part for us to talk about in large part because this is the biggest change that Tolkien made to the book. So we talked about this a little bit last time, uh, about the changes that were made. In 1937, he publishes the book, uh, in The Hobbit. And it's, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a runaway bestseller, but it's a, a hit. And people clamor for a sequel, and so his publisher says, we want a sequel, so he starts working on a sequel. 20 years later, you mm-hmm. know, here's your book. Uh, but in the meantime, as he's working on The Lord of the Rings, uh, it's coming together and he's deciding what he wants to make out of it. And he realizes that the ring that Bilbo found, uh, it needs to acquire a capital R, so to speak. This isn't just a ring of power or, you know, some lucky little talisman. It's the, the ring. ring, right? Uh, and so as he develops this concept, he realizes that chapter five is all wrong. And so he goes back and changes it dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mentioned last time, you know, anytime you want to get mad at George Lucas or whoever for <laughs> changing their stories, the ultimate in that sort of thing was Tolkien. But he was also one of the cleverest about it. Uh, and I think I'll get to that in just a sec. So, uh, Ryan, recap for us the Gollum bit, if you could. Bilbo finds himself in a very dark, dank, and wet place. And Gollum's there. Uh, he kind of inc- uh, discovers this creature. And after he's picked up the ring from this, uh, the ground here, whatever, and in order to escape, uh, he's trying to find his way out. He knows Gollum knows the way out. And then trying to get him to get him to lead him out makes a deal with him that if uh, they do a riddle game back and forth, and if uh, Gollum can't solve his riddles, then he'll show him the way out. And if uh, he can't solve Gollum's riddles, then Gollum gets to eat him. You know, totally fair trade. So uh, they they pass back and forth a few riddles, and Bilbo finally wins it by asking a not fair, not riddle, asking what's in my pocket. Ah. So, which then drives Gollum crazy, 
And Bilbo is able to escape because he puts the ring on, goes invisible for the first time, follows Gollum as he shows accidentally shows him the way out. So, uh, this was a year or two ago. I was at Lagoon. If you're not from Utah, which you're not, uh, whoever's listening, this is our local amusement, amusement park. park. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. It's an amusement park. Uh, complete with all the carnival games that you can play. And so you got those yeah, 17-year-olds <laughs> doing the carnival barker thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, come on over here and come play. And this one kid says, hey, do you like riddles? And I was like, whatever. And he starts listing off riddles, but they're all the riddles from The Hobbit. <laughs> oh, he thought, bad, bad choice. Yeah, he's like, I was like, you just picked the wrong guy. And, and so he asked me the first one. I knew instantly what it was. And I said, uh, said if I guess right, do I get a free game? said yeah sure <laughs> so i gave him the answer and and we we did like three of them before he realized that i knew the book better than he did <laughs> so, um, so i got a few free games out of it uh, so that was nice anyway so we got the riddle game uh and there's some really interesting stuff that i'm not sure that we want to get into now just because it, it's really deep in the weeds it's uh, if you recall tom shippy i've mentioned him a lot of times if you go read author of the century by Tom Shippey, he goes into some detail about the significance of the riddle game mm-hmm. and how this tells us what sort of similarities there are between Gollum and Bilbo. Uh, but what I find interesting about this is that now we've got chapter four and five together. Bilbo has gone from something that's clearly out of his control. He is way out of his depth with the goblins He's getting ferried around and rescued and, and all this stuff until he falls into Gollum's cave. And now we go from the dwarves opposite to Bilbo's opposite. So he's gotten a couple chances to like to level up with the trolls, uh, to level up when he, you know, figures out that the go- goblins are coming. Uh, but now he's like he's he, he's going to reach level two Bilbo mm-hmm. uh, with this because now he's in a situation that he can understand. Because it's this weird, withered ex-hobbit, I guess we would call him, right? So, yeah. Um, but we will, I mean, basically, though, if this is the only book you've ever read, never watched the movies or anything, you don't know that, though, right? He's just a creature. Totally. And, yeah. And so, in 1937, he's just this thing that mm-hmm. Bilbo stumbles across. He's this weird, slimy little thing in a cave. And he's an obstacle for Bilbo to advance past. And we'll talk more about the changes that, that come about. Stephanie, when it comes to the Gollum chapter, what are the standout moments? What are the things that you remember like between reads of The Hobbit uh, when you think back? Is it the riddles? Is it the the weird plurals that, that Gollum has? Um, I actually, are there any like, like images that stand out? Gollum is, I, I don't know. I, he was one of those characters that I wasn't real thrilled with the first time around. He's he's a lot more of a he's a deeper character than I think he's originally given credit for. Gollum and maybe is. it is maybe it is because I've I've seen the movies and I've read the other books and mm-hmm. they give him more of a storyline later and what he does with like Frodo and stuffs so that isn't quite in um The Hobbit. But I think he's a good basis of like you were saying about being an opposite for mm-hmm. for Bilbo, because who would have thought that this creature that lives beyond deep in this mountain 
would be as good as Riddle's and would know even some of the stuff that he was talking about. Right. Like, he's talking about wind and time, and you're like, you obviously leave the mountain at some point to know what a lot of, he's educated somewhere along the way. Right. Or he's sitting in on the goblin schooling. I don't know what he's doing, but. So clearly more than meets the eye. Yeah, he's he's a lot deeper than just this creature that eats raw fish and talks to himself. <laughs> Wait, was were you just or, writing my biography? <laughs> yes. Um, sorry, Ryan, you were going to say something. Well, I I like the character of Gollum a lot, but I think he's one of those. I don't want to use the term retcon, but he's he's been given a whole lot afterwards because of use it everything there. Y- use it. This is the OG retcon. Yeah. This is the retcon extraordinaire. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're going to talk more about retconning. But that's I, I think that's why why he gets so much and why he's a beloved character now is because of how much weight he carries on later in the series and with this change. Um, my first in, uh, interaction with Gollum was actually in the 1980s animation. Um, if you've, have you ever seen that one, the old 1980s Hobbit animation? Uh, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah, that, that Gollum uh, looks like if Littlefoot and Ducky from Land Before Time had a love child and that child was on meth. Like... <laughs> I have seen the images. <laughs> that's that's what that's what he looks like. And so in my mind, like the first, basically until the Peter Jackson films came out, Gollum mm-hmm. was always this just really disgusting, slimy, not worm, but just creature there. Yeah, yeah. And his whole purpose was just like, just like the goblins, just like the spiders, just like anything else. Just that he's there. Like I didn't find a lot of depth to him, but... Now I actually re- I I appreciate him more. Yeah, I I know that I've told this story on the podcast before, so I apologize if you've already heard it. Um, but when I went and saw the Fellowship of the Ring for the first time, it's in theaters. I'm 15 years old, maybe. Um, it's okay that mic doesn't record. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm about 15 years old, and I've never seen the Lord of the Rings. It's obviously just come out. So we go to the theater, the whole family, pack in, opening weekend, credits, you know, well, no credits, right? It's Fade to Black <laughs> and Galadriel's whispering at me. And I'm like, I'm like, whew, in love with this movie re- immediately. And then as we go through the prologue, there's the episode where Bilbo finds the ring and Gollum is screaming in the background, my precious and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there saying, I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. I've seen this. How is this possible? And I'm racking my brain. It took me a good five, 10 minutes, distracted me from the rest of the prologue as much as I could be distracted. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out why I knew this story. And it turns out that I had read The Hobbit and done a book report in like the eighth grade. <laughs> and so I had seen this before in a sense, right? And, but I didn't know that there was more to the story. I just I just thought, oh, that was a fun book. And I went on with my life. A buddy of mine tried to get me to read The Lord of the Rings. I said, no, that sounds like the stupidest title I've ever heard, The Lord <laughs> of the Rings. That's dumb. I'm not going to read that. Um, and I had no idea that the two were connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I think of The Hobbit, I always think of that image of Bilbo finding the ring and, and encountering Gollum because obviously that imagery really, really stuck with me uh, right up to that first viewing in The Fellowship of the Ring. I just... 
it's it's a fantastic so I have a chapter. question now when did the obsession with tolkien start then it i was it was right then i, I mean, figured this was a lifelong that you had no. read the books and then the movie like i that's what i figured this no, was i didn't realize this was started with the you movies. know it, like i i i'm not a crier okay like Look, Ryan and Todd have done their their crying, like, I, and I wish that I could because I wish I could convey the amount of emotion I feel about that particular moment. Like, there, you can. It's easy to look back and see things like turning points in your life. Like, oh, if I had made a different decision there, things really would have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my when my wife and I moved to Seattle, like, oh yeah, things would have really turned out differently if we hadn't done that. If we'd stayed in Utah. Um, things like that it's easy to look back and see those turning points but what's really rare is when you feel it in the moment and i can't describe quite the feeling of sitting there and watching this prologue to fellowship of the ring and knowing that everything was different (laughs) that everything was going to change i was i i had a I had similar smaller moments, you know, as I consumed the rest of the movies and then I devoured the books and I started in on the Silmarillion and I finished the Silmarillion and, you know, tears are streaming down my face and I'm, I, I just immediately go back to page one and start <laughs> over again. Just remember, this man has two kids. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just in comparison for the emotional contrast here, like... I, I don't care. Uh, in terms of my, moments your life has changed, <laughs> oh, you also have two kids. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. I also wept when my son was born. It's true. Um, anyway, and so as far as like when did it start, it was in a way it was with Gollum because when I when I connected that imagery and realized that there, there was this whole world connected to this story that I had loved in the eighth grade and uh, it all came crashing down. I, you know, I actually had a similar moment when I met I met my wife and then later after we had met, we we got to know each other. And after a couple of days, I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to want to marry this girl. The last time I felt this was with Gollum. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, so it's uh, so chapter five is always very special to me because it's connected to that that day that everything changed. I can trace a lot of my life decisions and, and whatnot back to that day hmm. so there you go anyway i've been talking a ton i have more to say but i want to open <laughs> it up to you guys too i my my question coming into this section here was um i i know that tolkien had a personal belief and love of his poetry and i was curious where riddles fell in his skill set i guess poetry like, i'm sorry what did you say what where like where like these riddles mm-hmm. were they ones that he just had heard growing up or whatever uh, and that versus like where he's trying to write his own poetry or were mm-hmm, these things mm-hmm. he came up with on his own you know I, i'm just curious as to where that came in because they're good riddles like they're mm-hmm. they're pretty solid riddles like yeah so i was just curious great question <laughs> uh riddles play a very important part in uh old norse and uh, just a lot of scandinavian uh mythology a lot of their literature and so if you go read the prose Edda or the Elder Edda, uh, you can you can find a lot of riddles in those and other sources. And that's where he found some, maybe not all, of these uh, was in those old sources. And he kind of, he, he took them and spruced them up and made them rhyme in English and all this <laughs> stuff. But the, but the base riddles were 
uh, from Old English and Old Norse and, right. and these things. So these are very old riddles, and it kind of creates... I, I don't know how conscious or even how real this would be for a majority of readers. I, I'm not sure, but it can create a sense of realism in the story. Like this is this is a creature who's who is ancient or who knows ancient things, and he and Bilbo are connected because of their connection through these ancient riddles, right? And and so they both know the same riddles. Now we're getting into the Tom Shippey territory that I was kind of skipping over before. Sorry, totally separate but semi-connected thought that just came through that discussion. Um, usually in a lot of mythology and things like that, uh, trolls are the ones like, at least I don't know if it's a change to modern, but like trolls are the riddlers. Like that's the way it is. Oh, um, right, right. Like you have your troll bridge trolls and things like that. And in a way, Gollum is serving the function of a traditional troll. Right. So the three trolls in chapter two are, they're an obstacle to get past, but they, they're actually an obstacle that Bilbo and the dwarves veer toward. If you recall, they see a fire in the distance right. and they, and they kind of, they want to go check it out. Let's go see what it is. They didn't have to do that. They could have just gone on with their journey and ignored it and said, no, we're on a mission. Let's go. But they decided to kind of veer off. Right. And now in chapter five, uh, if Bilbo wants to continue with his journey or, you know, in the, in the language of some of the, uh, you know, fairy tales that we are familiar with, with from the Grimm brothers or whatever, if you want to cross the bridge, if you want to continue with your journey, you have to uh, progress past the troll. Mm -hmm. And so Gollum is, he is very much a troll character in that way. Right. Yeah. I just, I thought it was kind of interesting, yeah. not role reversal, but just an interesting attribution that way. Right. Um, okay, so Gollum. Here's a fun tidbit. Ready? Fun fact! Fun fact, everybody! Uh, possible origin of the name Gollum. Okay, because names mean something to this guy, <laughs> Tolkien. He's, he's got a, you know, he's got a thing for words and names. Uh, the Old Norse Gull, G-U-L-L or G-O-L-L, it means gold. Uh, and so you could just say G-O-L-L -L means gold. That's where Gollum came from. That doesn't make much sense, but there is one instance uh, in Old Norse of the word fingergol. So finger gold, meaning mm -hmm. a ring. Ring. And so Gollum is the keeper of the finger gold. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. And so that's one of those things I don't think Tolkien ever came out and said, and this is where I came up with the name Gollum. But it's, you know, people teased it out and said, I wonder if that's what that is. And it seems like a plausible enough theory to me. <laughs> yeah. So. Wouldn't it be hilarious though, to find out like he just hacked one day and that's just the sound that came out and he's like, ah, that works. <laughs> Let's go with that. We're going to run with this one. Cosmere podcast who's lo logged in on the live uh, feed here says uh, lots of people have kids, but how many people have actually read the Silmarillion? Yeah, that's so I've I earned my cry with the Silmarillion. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay, so differences in Gollum. Because like I said earlier, he is the most changed character and the most changed thing in the book uh, between the 1937 edition. Other than the reader. Sorry. <laughs> I had to. I had to. It was just sitting there on it a was, tea It was good. <laughs> Thank you. I liked it. it was, uh, uh, I'm going to go sit in a corner now. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's Occupado <laughs> right now. Um <laughs> now that I'm thoroughly derailed 
there's the 1937 first edition, and then in 1951, he releases the second revised edition with this new Chapter 5. Uh, and so it's gone through a few printings up till now, but now in 1951, he knows we're still a few years out from the release of The Fellowship of the Ring, but he's developed it to the point where he knows, like, if this is going to get published, Chapter 5 no longer makes any sense. Because in the original edition, Gollum doesn't bet Bilbo. He doesn't say, I'm going to eat you or show you the way out. He says, I'm going to eat you or give you a present. Okay. And the present was the ring. He's got a magic ring. And uh, and if and so he's uh, the only earthly possession I have to bet on this riddle contest is this ring. And so that's what he uh, that's what he stakes up. And of course, Tolkien's like he he would never do yeah. that once that ring has a capital R, right? Yeah. Um. And so he's genuinely willing to bet the ring. And um. It, and when he loses the bet. He goes to find the ring, and the reason that he freaks out is that he can't make good on the bet. What what am I going to do? I, I made a bet, and now I can't pay up because I lost the ring, and that's why he's freaking out. And so... It's very honorable of him. Exactly. And that's... Uh, Gollum is if nothing a creature of honor. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, I think um, you could argue that with this original first edition, for that reason it might have been even more obvious that Gollum was Bilbo's shadow, uh, you know, in the way that the goblins are the dwarves' shadow, mm -hmm. because he is so concerned with the rules, uh, the rules and honor and mm -hmm. all this stuff and wanting to maintain the integrity of the bet. You know, cannibalism aside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so when that change is made, I think it's still probably yeah, pretty clear but you could argue that it was even more clear at that point. I'm wondering how that sort of change would go over nowadays. Like like uh, making this... Making uh, a big change like that to a character. Like, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. It's a substantial change. Right. It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, we have the example right now of... Uh, the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is Elantris. When the 10th anniversary edition of Elantris came out, Sanderson made a few changes to bring it a little more into line with the rest of the Cosmere books. There's a pretty big change in uh, uh, Words of Radiance. Right. The, when that hardback yes. released. That's right. Or when the paperback released. Yeah. Sorry, paperback came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. So, yeah, we've got some examples of a few little changes that are being made, but I don't know if they're quite as substantial. But on the other hand, you know, with that original version of The Hobbit, it's uh, Gollum is in one chapter, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. He's not like the major character until we get to the Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, in the, okay, in the original, when Gollum can't find the ring, he shows Bilbo the way out as a courteous alternative. <laughs> says, oh, sorry about that. I was going to give you a present. I can't do that. Here, how about I show you the exit? And so, all right, great. Well, let's get me out of here. Um, and then, it, so like compared to the 1951 edition, in the, in the later edition, Gollum is underhanded. He has no intention of showing Bilbo the way out mm -hmm. or giving him a present or anything, <laughs> right? He's he's going to eat him one way or another. He's a villain in this one. Right. And so through these changes, Tolkien's trying to show just how twisted he's become from possession of the ring. Right? Well, and I think part of that is his split personality that he has, like his, his Smeagol side, I guess. Even in The Hobbit is still, as he's talking to himself, 
you can still see he does have a, a, a more honorable side to him, mm-hmm. but it's also his other personality that is definitely very much the villain of, no, we're going to eat him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which I think I I actually I remember on this last read through that being something that became more apparent. Um, not it's not something when you first meet Gollum, you don't really realize there's two personalities in there. Until you get to the part where he gets frantic and is trying right. to find it. And then all of a sudden the conversation is going between two people and you're like, ah, okay. Okay, he's completely there insane. There it is. You know, right. beforehand, you you don't read that into what he's doing. Right. And I, I read the original chapter a long time ago, but it's been a while. And so when it comes to the specifics, like in the original, did he talk to himself in the same way? Or did Tolkien put that in to bring it more in line with Lord of the Rings Gollum? I, I don't remember to be... Mm-hmm perfectly honest but you can go online and excuse me you can go online and search out pdfs or whatever you can find bootleg versions of the (laughs) original chapter so uh did did i tell you by the way oh no you were there hello did i tell you by the way stephanie (laughs) uh when ryan and i went to sanderson's house his wife let me hold an original 1937 hobbit no the first edition uh it was a highlight i bet (laughs) it was a highlight it was it was delightful it was in like a velvet box and everything. It was great. Yep. He was giving it as a gift. He was like, okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. I want to get famous enough that people give me gifts like I that. I know. I was just, <laughs> I, I was on Instagram the other day and a celebrity got engaged and they were showing off all these gifts that were arriving from these like swanky companies that were obviously trying to get on their Instagram feed, right? So you mm-hmm. send them a gift and I'm like, come on, the last person who needs to have that gifted yeah. to them. But, I'd take a free six-pack from Del Taco. Come on. <laughs> I would take a free six-pack from Del Taco. I've been counting carbs this week. I'm very upset. And there's many of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm losing track. Uh, okay, so. Boy, this really is Professor Craig episode. <laughs> I, I I hope people like all the little tidbits. I it's do. interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I think part of it, and Stephanie and I were talking about this before we came over, it's just... It, there's there's a lot to this story that we can get into nowadays. We can get into and talk about and mm-hmm. and piece piece to, together. Um, but in the just sitting this book in on its own, there's not a a ton of deep uh, philosophy or anything in mm. these chapters to go through. Mm. I would say with with a few rare exception moments, maybe right. you know the Gollum section with the riddles and is that. But at the core, again, this is this story is pretty simple and that's part of the reason that it's lasted as long as it has is at its mm-hmm. core this is a very simplistic tale right i think there is maybe a little something you know we talk all the time about the three levels and all that maybe there's some sort of level three like i'm gonna take a lesson out of this uh in bilbo's decision to spare Gollum and yes. and you know leave that way and so there's something there but i think in general you're right this is uh on a whole it's it's a children's book right. and i think they and the second time listening through i can see that more now than i could the first time because i mean i had watched i was familiar with it enough when i had read the hobbit the first time and i had already read seen the lord of the rings movies but this time like i'm feeling like no this is it has the simplicity of being a children's book mm-hmm. but it also definitely does have some levels to it or else so many adults wouldn't still love it, that there's more to it. And I think as a whole, with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, adds 
so much more to this story mm-hmm. that more adults can relate to in that respect because then you're looking at these the lifelong journeys of these characters mm-hmm. and not just this one adventure that Bilbo went on. Yeah. So that's kind of like what we were talking about. Like I just I don't know what to say about this book because <laughs> sure there there will be more <laughs> if it's been a while since you read it uh, when we get to because this it, it is all about bilbo's journey right he has to go there before he can come back again and as he goes on the journey and learns and grows uh, we're going to get to erebor and we're going to have the um the arkenstone incident <laughs> and there is a lot to talk about there with the choices that bilbo makes and how much personal growth he shows and, and well and i think stuff, definitely so. as he's growing as a character it gets there's more to talk about, mm-hmm. but we're still so early on in his story and his growth as opposed to where he's just tired and a little on the whiny side because he doesn't have all <laughs> of his comforts from home. Right. And granted, that's only going to get worse now that they have lost all of their stuff. Um, but that's, I think it is nice growing with him, but so early on he is, he's just He's a, a wealthy man that's missing his luxuries. Sure. That you're trying to I be would. like, yeah, that's why I don't camp because <laughs> I love my luxuries. But I think that's where I'm at with this story right now is it's it's really simple and it's hard to delve into his mind as a character. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, Ryan, any other thoughts? Not at this point. We okay. we can move from Gollum. <laughs> well, well, no, we can't. No, okay. No, we, we cannot move from Gollum quite yet. Okay. Um, because it's something you brought up earlier, uh, the questionable final riddle. Yes. Okay. So there is, especially in the um, in the original telling of the story, Bilbo's claim to the ring is pretty strong, despite the riddle. Because uh, in the prologue to the Lord of the Rings, there's uh, there's a line in there where Tolkien writes that. Uh, oh, oh, I actually have it here. The authorities, it is true, differ whether this last question was a mere question and not a riddle. But all agree that after accepting it and trying to guess the answer, Gollum was bound by his promise. And so, was it a good riddle? No. Was it a riddle at all? No, probably not. But by playing along, uh, Gollum implicitly agrees that it's a riddle and that okay. he's going, going to abide by the game. And so in that version, it's uh, in the original version, the claim is pretty strong to the to the ring. Bilbo's claim is pretty strong. But um, now that the stakes in the second version, now that the stakes don't involve the ring at all and just the way out, Bilbo doesn't have a legit claim to the ring because it wasn't offered as a birthday present. He stole it. (laughs) Right. And he tricked his way through the riddle contest. And so you can wiggle your way out of that second thing, but you can't wiggle your way out of the first. You stole the ring. You knew it was his. Yeah, sure. You picked it up off the ground. I was you, like, isn't there some sort of law about the finders keepers <laughs> thing? Like, That's playground he didn't, law. He didn't know it was his when he picked it up out of the dirt. <laughs> Granted, eventually he caught on to what Gollum was missing. Right. But. So anyway, Tolkien changes the story. And now, by changing the story, Bilbo doesn't have as strong a claim to the ring uh, because the birthday present thing is gone. Uh, and now it's just, you know, I freaking stole the ring and cheated in the riddle game and got away scot-free. And so, as 
Tolkien makes the changes to chapter five, now he's got to figure out a way to kind of justify his retconning and like, you know, how how are these two versions existing side by side? And, you know, is, is this going to confuse readers and, and whatnot? And so he actually builds his explanation. This is why I say it was so clever. He was one of the cleverest retconners ever. Okay, I have no idea what the term retcon means. Oh, okay, Ryan, you take this one. For anyone else that's listening that has no idea what this term means. Retro- Retroactive uh, shoot. Concurrence or... Is, uh, no. Somebody, hey, YouTubers, help us out. No, here. it's literally just even It's retroactive uh, continuity. There you go. Um, you're changing the storyline of something <laughs> that existed previously. Got it, okay. Um, okay, so... He's he's now retconned okay. this story, and now he's got to justify it. So he builds the explanation in, and he says that, uh, you know, Tolkien I'm says, I'm just translating this stuff. I found Bilbo's <laughs> journals, and he wrote this story down, and I translated it and told you the story of The Hobbit. Well, that's what he told in his journals. You know, that's what he told in that original story. But then, as I uncovered more sources <laughs> and he, I found the Red Book of Westmarch that was written by Frodo and he tells the real story that Gandalf got and all this stuff uh, and so I, I had to go back and fix The Hobbit with the real with the real <laughs> Gollum episode oh okay yeah pretty good it's a, I think it's a pretty neat little retcon yeah. and not only that but he actually builds it into the narrative of The Lord of the Rings as well uh, when Gandalf is telling the story, I believe it's in the Council of Elrond scene, he's recounting the story of uh, Bilbo finding the ring. And he even mentions that that Bilbo originally lied to him. Mm-hmm. That Bilbo, and, and even in the second edition of The Hobbit, when Bilbo comes out of the woods, they said, how'd you get away? And he decides not to tell anybody about the ring. And Gandalf kind of raises his eyebrows because he knows he's lying. Um and anyway, and so Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, you know, helps Tolkien retcon <laughs> The Hobbit, huh. which is fantastic. And so if you're going to do it, if you're going to retcon something, do it right. That's my Give yourself here. a little room. That's interesting. I've been going back and reading the Thrawn trilogy the last like, oh, week and a half the, or whatever. Oh, uh, like Heir to the Empire. Yeah. And <laughs> Heir to the Empire. In every, in all of the uh, old Star Wars books, they've got this hit section about the legends title and it basically says legend these legends titles are uncorroborated stories that were told but can't be proven <laughs> so they could exist like they could have happened they couldn't i was like oh okay so that's basically what's happening here is where you know bilbo's got his le- like the true story the legend right, right, the, right. yeah okay uh, yeah that, See, that's, a little, that's a little different slightly different <laughs> slightly different and i i reserve the right to be angry at disney for that but whatever <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to go down that road. We're not going to get sucked into the Star Wars alternate or what is it, expanded universe? Yes. <sighs> so, <laughs> gosh, how far are we? Okay, we've got a few minutes left. It's like how far from what? <laughs> yeah, how how far do we have left? So, Gal. Uh, so Gal. We still haven't made it to Bayorn's house. I know. Gosh, uh, we're still in chapter I was five. Like, we still have another chapter to go before we get there. So, so. <laughs> so uh, let's see, Bilbo takes the ring, puts the ring on, jumps over Gollum, decides to spare his life, and maybe this is something that we talk about again later, but suffice it to say that it's the right thing to do. Is and it? Yes. Okay. 
Right. It, well, in the moment, according to oh, okay, we are getting into this. Damn you, Ryan. <laughs> um, according to the Lord of the Rings, as we read through the Lord of the Rings, and Gandalf and Bilbo, or sorry, Gandalf and Frodo are talking about this incident, uh, and Frodo says, I, "I wish that he'd killed him when he had the chance." And in the movies, Gandalf just kind of like breezes by, by this and and says, you know, it's pity that stayed Bilbo's hand, but we get a little more in-depth explanation that the reason that Bilbo was able to give up the ring, he's the only ring bearer up to that point who has been able to willingly give up the ring. Uh, the reason he was able to do that is because he began his possession of it uh, from a place of pity. And so if he had stabbed out Gollum's eyes or whatever, <laughs> you know, if he had gone that violent route that he was considering... Uh, the ring would have uh, presumably had a much stronger hold on him throughout the rest of his life. Okay. So, yeah, it matters. Back off. <laughs> it worked out, obviously. <laughs> you needed him at the end anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd had another ring bearer that didn't have, that wouldn't give up the ring. But... Right. Like, and it wouldn't, didn't he save his life a few times there? Gollum saved Frodo's life. <laughs> As if when they're guides in. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, he he goes to war with himself and yeah. trying to decide whether he's going to be Gollum or Smeagol. It's like he need they they needed him there, so right. Yes, of course he was written. I'm not to really be needed, arguing the merit of whether or not you know Gollum as a character let's, should let's continue turn to turn Bilbo exist, into but... a, a horrible person. So, yes, you know, I, I feel like I'm usually the bloodthirsty one on the podcast, <laughs> but Ryan's over here saying no, let, slit let's his just friggin let's throat. just kill him. He, we don't need him. Let's just kill him. Uh, someone had to play devil's advocate here. I'm I've been possessed by the ring temporarily here. <laughs> okay, right. Well, let's uh, see if we can get through chapters six and seven in record time. So I'll fiery leave. pine cones. Fiery pine cones. So well, okay. So <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire, Ryan. What happens in this chapter? Fiery pine cones <laughs> thrown at wards. <laughs> there is one thing, like in this, because this starts off with Bilbo finally coming back, and the because the dwarves are all ready to leave him. Yeah. Um, they're ready just to be like, "Peace out. We don't need you because you're dead. So we're just going to leave you for dead." And Gandalf's upset because. He brought him on this trip and when Bilbo, sorry, I almost said Frodo, Bilbo shows up, I I liked how all of a sudden he was respected. Right. Like the dwarves now have this weird respect for him because he somehow survived on his own, which I guess was probably a first for him in his entire life where he actually survived something. Mm -hmm. He wasn't being carried on someone's back. Right. And snuck past uh, the old one. What? The, the, yeah, their 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 scout that they had out, Balin. Yeah. Balin, yeah, he, the oh, oldest. Oh of yeah. The oh, I'm sorry. The who old was like dwarf. the best scout they had, and no one's ever gotten past him. And uh, then Frodo just yeah, okay. Pops. Bilbo, I Bilbo see. Pops up. Yeah. When you said the old one, I thought I was going Lovecraft. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there are no old ones in this story. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, you're right. He is now finally respected by the dwarves. Um, I'm going to go the symbolism route in chapter six here and note that we've gone through a few obstacles. <laughs> uh, Bilbo has, sorry, I'm getting distracted by the, the kid playing with the microphone. Um, Bilbo has surpassed a few obstacles, the trolls and now the goblins and now uh, Gollum as well. And he's gone from his cushy lifestyle has gone through a few things. He, he gets a respite at Elrond's house, but then he has to go through a bunch more stuff. And now he is uh, 
through the mountains and out the other side. And this is very symbolic of, you know, his his exit from the western side of the Misty Mountains representing home and familiarity. And now he's exited out the east side. And this is the wilderness or wilderland as Tolkien calls it. <laughs> So now he's in the wilderness and we'll notice now that he's gone through all this stuff and now that he has left behind anything that was familiar to him, Bilbo is a different person. Mm -hmm. As we go through the story now, you'll notice it's not that he never wishes for his feather bed again, but he's, if not eager, a lot more willing at this point to take initiative. And so we'll see this again with the spiders, for instance, in Mirkwood, where, you know, he's going to take the initiative and save the dwarves, um, where he wasn't able, he wasn't willing for one thing and wasn't able to do that before all of these things had happened to him. I and think so, a part of that is also comes from the way the dwarves are now treating him. I think it's one thing when you have someone that has gone through whatever, the moment that someone else starts respecting them for it, they start respecting themselves more for it yeah. because I'm sure if he had gone through all of this and the dwarves were like, Oh, well, Bilbo's back now. Let's pick him back up so we can get going mm -hmm. that he might've started seeing himself back to who he was. And that change wouldn't have been permanent. Like it totally. was, I think the dwarves Ooh, had like this. a very, that moment where the dwarves were like, yes, we are now going to see you more as an equal made Bilbo now realize he is more of an equal mm -hmm. that if they hadn't had that moment, then I think Bilbo would have just regressed back into who he was. Right. And that change wouldn't have happened. Ooh, I like this a lot. Thank you. I had something important no, this to is say. Fantastic. <laughs> this is fantastic. Cause this is what we're talking about. You know, what are the personal lessons we want to take from a book like this? Uh, and from some, such a simple little kid story. And I'd never thought of this before where we so often just view ourselves as Bilbo. He is our vehicle through the story. And so he's the one who is learning all the lessons. But if we put ourselves in the in the place of the dwarves, uh, how often do we have interactions with somebody where we have a choice to show them the respect that that uh, that they need, maybe deserve, uh, or to discount them? and to discredit them and, and to underestimate them. Well, and I think I've learned that lesson a lot as a parent, mm. um, raising my child, seeing other people raise their children around the same age, that the more you treat a child with the respect that they deserve as a human and not just the fact that they're a child, they're going to come back and be, they're going to have the maturity level that, that they need to continue to progress in this world. There is a point that's being brought up on the uh, YouTube chat here. Sorry, we're going back to the symbolism of Bilbo becoming a different person. Well, I guess we're still kind of mm -hmm. on that point. Um, Joshua Harkey says, his button popping off is fantastic symbolism. Uh, agreed, right? So he's squeezing through the door and he can't quite get through. And as Gollum is just about to reach him, he gives one last shove to get himself through and the buttons on his waistcoat pop off and he mentions it at least three more times in the book the, the about his buttons about right. missing his buttons so. and he misses his buttons right but those buttons represent yeah. his old self and now you've got to leave that behind if you want to continue on your journey so anyway great point well done <laughs> and then the goblins chase him down and they go up in pine trees and gandalf lights pine cones and they throw them at the 
wargs and the goblins and it's fantastic fun and the eagles come and grab them and everybody hates the eagles and i've never understood why but that's the uh, thing that's the thing like i do people hate the eagles or do people hate the fact that that the eagles are always saving them i question the purpose of the eagles i feel like the only reason the eagles were written into the story was because they were up in a tree and they couldn't figure out how to get them down so let's have these ginormous eagles fly in <laughs> that don't really do much in the story other than fly in and fly back out i even forget that they're in the battle of the five armies i mean bilbo even comments the last time the next time i see these eagles was in this battle from a distance like they were there but they weren't an integral part of where he was in in the battle like the eagles i don't there seems to be like two camps uh for the eagles in the lord of the rings and it's the people who love them as this great and honorable race these high and mighty leaders and they are they are to be revered and respected and they that that's why they aren't used very much because they're too too important to <laughs> to be used in menial things such as saving middle earth <laughs> um and then there's the other side the the side that just came out of my cynical piece there it's like well why weren't they used like <laughs> These are, that's exactly what you said. They're, they're kind of just a, a cop-out way of dealing with something. From a, in, in a shallow reading, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. And, and I don't mean shallow to be too pejorative. I just mean like, if you don't know a ton about kind of the backstory and the mythology that Tolkien had created, it's easy to just say, well, why didn't they just fly on the eagles? Right? <laughs> there are reasons and uh, the, we probably don't need to litigate all of those right now. Uh, but those reasons exist, and we can just leave it at that. I'm sure it's, they do. But in this story, you know, as told in 1937, we didn't have any of that other backstory. So, yeah, it's easy to just say, ah, oh, there's a nice little deus ex machina. Uh, come pull their, pull their fannies out of the fire. My so. problem that I have is that I can't visualize this with any, like, it's a giant eagle, and it either sounds... Um, like it's either Sam Eagle from the Muppets talking <laughs> or it's, you know, some super patriotic guy. And I blame it on, you know, the American connection to the Eagle and everything like mm -hmm. that. It just sounds, you know, this great Lord of the Eagles comes in and it sounds like. It's, it's uh, so now he, he's coming in on his flying Ford F-150 AR-15s <laughs> blazing. Um, hey, Gandalf, what's going on, man? <laughs> It's sure. like you're in trouble. Let's, let's get you out of here. Not, yeah. not quite. But. And all of our international listeners are going, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're just kind of nodding along. Yeah, that's exactly. That, that's how we visualize all Americans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yes. So these are very highly American eagles at this point. So, okay. Um, we need to <laughs> move past this. Oh, one question that does come up sometimes is whether the Lord of the Eagles in The Hobbit is Gwaihir who saves Gandalf from the top of Orthanc. Mm -hmm. uh, it can't be because Gwaihir, or Gandalf. Clearly it can't be. It can't be, it can't be I mean, because like... Gandalf says twice now you've borne me and both of those times are accounted for in the Lord of the Rings. And so this cannot be the same eagle. So different guy, just, you know, anybody who was wondering. There you go. Uh, different, different guy, different eagle. So, okay. So design a Middle Earth uber symbol that looks like an eagle and it's called Gwyh here but it's spelled wrong <laughs> <laughs> is that just to get me to burn it just just as a bumper sticker you know we can put it out there uh so let's go to baron's house go to baron's house 
And bees. I, yes, the bees. <laughs> Uh, have you seen that? Have you yeah. seen the Nicolas Cage yeah, I watched version that sequence. of uh, what, what's that movie called? Dang it. I don't remember. Oh, crap. I've just watched that segment. Nicolas Cage. Come on, YouTube. Uh, save me here. Nicolas Cage in his version of... Um, oh, this is going to kill oh, me. No. Are you looking it up? Yep. Nicolas Cage. The Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Oh, man. Wicker Man. They kill off his character by putting his head in a cage of bees. Oh. They don't. They don't kill him that way. Uh, they torture him. They torture him with that would it, be yeah. pretty torturous. Uh, so okay, now wow, we've got no time left on the podcast, and we're tangenting. That's what Nicholas Cage does. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so we're at Bayorn's house. Yes, bees. Uh, in part because he is clearly a bear man. Right? He likes like his a, honey. A werebear. So Bayorn is Old English for man or warrior. Uh, as seen in a few old English texts, but it literally means bear. Well, then there you go. And so it was. It was a word that originally meant bear, and then you know I don't know. People fought so fiercely that it gradually became a word for a warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. He fought um, hard on that one. What's that? Tolkien. He thought hard for that one. He <laughs> he probably didn't have to at that point. <laughs> he knew it all so well. Um. Anyway, so in this one, this is like. This is our last gasp, I guess, before um, before the story really starts getting intense. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, we've had the trolls, and then we get a rest with um, Elrond, yes. uh, and then we have two big problems with the goblins and Gollum, and then we get a rest with Baron's house, and so you know it's like training, right? <laughs> Everybody's leveling up, and now we're about to head to our final destination which is uh, well not quite i mean we got a lot of a lot a long ways to go but no more real rest stops there's a fake one at lake town that we'll get to um, but this is our last resting point and so this is where we're going to leave it on the podcast unless you guys have anything pressing to say about baron i don't it's it's an interesting chapter i guess in that he's kind of an interesting character he's kind of He's kind of menacing at the same time that he's welcoming and, and all that. He's one of those characters that is, um, I don't know what the correct affiliation there. He's a, he's a neutral that's helpful um, in the sense that like providing them once they slowly get uh, introduce themselves and everything, but as they leave and he offers them the ponies and everything, but basically follows them to protect the ponies. Right. Like if you do something this he's still going to kill you. <laughs> right. Like, so I, I'm trying to, I can't think of any character comparisons, other characters who are like that, uh, but just that person who's, a, like, he's a good character, but only so far as it ex- it, it exists in his own world of, right. I care about these creatures. It would, uh, this is also the, uh, if I remember right, he's the one that we mentioned, we get our first mention of Radagast in, mm-hmm. even right. though, you know, he's not going to play a huge role in what we're doing in, in no. the book. But like, we're introduced to another wizard. Right. It's like okay, okay. At least the idea of another wizard. Yeah. There's there's more out there. Yeah. So. Okay. So uh, shall we leave it there, Stephanie? Any final thoughts? Are we good? No, I'm good. Okay. So we'll leave it there. Next time we will go through Mirkwood and uh, probably hang out with the elves, and then the next episode will feature 20 minutes of uh, nothing but barrel riding. (laughs) 
uh, just everybody prepare yourselves for that. I think it was a very, very impressive highlight of, of The Hobbit telling. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> I didn't do this up top, but uh, you know, go to reddit.com. Oh, well, thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation. Patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can support the show. Uh, I will be um, doing a little bit more on Patreon than I have lately. Uh, but I do just want to say thank you to those who have uh, joined up recently. Jason Downer is the most recent, is a, a $3 patron, and we very much appreciate that uh, contribution to what we're doing here. It really does take a remarkable amount of time and funds. So any help you can give is great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Next week, Blue Team is coming up again with uh, something, I think. Or maybe it's a full team episode. I can't remember. Let's see. And also YouTube. We're going to start throwing that one in there too. Oh yeah, this is live on YouTube. So make sure you, if you haven't yet, make sure you go subscribe and we're, we're going to be doing a lot more of these. Today was a one camera setup, but I'm going to learn how to do a lot more than that. So um, yeah, thank you to the YouTube live audience for joining in with us. I uh, hope to see you guys on future episodes as well. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>